It's time for Scrap Guy Solutions with your host, Jeremy Miller. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Jeremy Miller, and this is Scrap Guy Solutions, a podcast here to help you make things happen. This is episode number two, and if you listened to episode number one, you're probably thinking, or at least you should be thinking, who is this guy? Who is Jeremy Miller, and why in the world should I listen to him? Well, on that first episode, I mentioned that I buy and sell scrap for a living. I'm an entrepreneur, real estate investor, restaurant owner, Minnesota State Senator. I've helped launch a few startups. I volunteer in the community, and I help coach youth sports. I work out to stay fit. I enjoy running as a way to clear my mind, and I occasionally participate in triathlons to keep me motivated to keep training. Above all, I'm a family man. I'm married to my beautiful wife, Janelle. She's my partner in life, my partner in crime. Uh, I'm not the person I am today without Janelle by my side. We have three incredible boys. Luke and Tom are twins, are 10. Drew, our oldest, just turned 12. And if you're doing the math, yes, we had three boys under two years old, and it was pure chaos at the Miller house for several years. Now, it's still chaotic at the Miller house. It's just a different type of chaos. The boys are incredibly active in school and activities and in sports. So we're constantly pulled in multiple different directions. Right now, our twins are playing basketball. I'm helping coach their team. Drew is swimming. So during the week, we have basketball practice and or swimming practice. And then on the weekends, they are filled with either basketball tournaments, swim meets, or a combination of both. And I'll get into more details about who I am, but before I do so, I want to be very clear about something because I do not have all the answers and I'm not the smartest person that you'll meet. In fact, I'm rarely, if ever, the smartest person in the room. And even if I'm the only person in the room, it's questionable. But I strongly believe you don't have to be the smartest person in the room to make things happen. You don't have to be an expert to make things happen. Not only do I strongly believe this, but I've proved this time and time again. And I've done it by working hard and keeping things simple. I'm a simple guy who was taught by my parents important values like hard work, respect, and honesty. My parents taught me that if I wanted something, I had to work for it. I had to earn it. My dad also taught me the importance of building relationships and being patient. I learned about being persistent from my mom. She taught me that no doesn't always mean no. Sometimes it just means you have to find a different path to yes. And for better or worse, I learned about being frugal from my mom. She is the garage sale and thrift shop queen. And I guess some things are just genetic because to this day, Janelle and I shop sales. We buy a lot of store brand products and I use coupons. That's right, folks. I still use coupons and I'm pretty darn proud of it. I call it being frugal. My friends call me cheap. Either way, I'm all about finding deals and saving money. When it comes to podcasting, I'm a regular podcast listener, but I'm a newcomer. I'm a rookie when it comes to hosting. And I tell you what, folks, it's a different type of feeling 
talking in a room in a microphone by yourself, but we're getting the hang of it. Something else that is new for me is talking about myself. I prefer to stay under the radar and typically don't like people to know what I'm up to, but in an effort to follow one of my passions of helping others and to help fulfill one of my purposes in life of helping motivate others and helping others be the best they can be, I'm gonna share many of my life experiences, some of which only Janelle knows about. The downside is that a couple of my buddies who buy me a beer every once in a while because I'm so darn frugal may not do so anymore. Well, I'll figure that out. Let's get into it. I was born and raised right here in beautiful Winona, Minnesota. I'm the youngest of three boys. I had a great family life growing up with hardworking and caring parents. Being the youngest of three boys wasn't always easy, but I eventually figured it out. The early years of school were incredibly difficult for me. I was a mommy's boy and I hated school. I would throw temper tantrums almost on a daily basis through third, maybe even fourth grade. It didn't help that I was the only Jewish kid in school, which had its challenges, but even more challenging was my struggle with reading. I remember going out into the hallway for independent reading time, and I would try so hard to read the book. And every once in a while, I would turn the pages, but my mind was wandering everywhere but in the pages of that book. I took special classes called Chapter One at the time that helped a bit, but I eventually realized it just took me longer to read and especially understand what I was reading. This is something I still struggle with today. This is why, as a state senator, I'm very passionate about new and innovative programs to help kids learn to read and to help kids learn to read at younger ages. My middle school years were better, especially after I started playing basketball, but things really changed for me my freshman year of high school when I went out for the cross-country running team. It's crazy to think that running, running, and more running could literally change someone's life in a way that it did mine. Not only did it help me develop a love for running and a healthy lifestyle, but it made me more mentally tough. Running cross country in high school taught me about commitment. It taught me about courage and it taught me about discipline. I'm a better all around person because of my experience as a cross country runner in high school. And much of this credit goes to my high school cross country coach, Jim Flynn. After high school, I couldn't wait to leave Winona, and I left for Denver, Colorado to pursue a degree in sports, entertainment, and event management. After getting a job at the Pepsi Center, where the Denver Nuggets, the professional basketball team, and the Colorado Avalanche, the professional hockey team, where both teams played, I got an inside glimpse of professional sports, the back end of professional sports. And I realized that it just wasn't the right fit for me. So after that first year of college, I made the move back to Winona to see if a full-time career in the family recycling business was the right fit for me. Now, I grew up working weekends and summers in the business, but I wasn't sure if it was something that I wanted to do long-term. I started in the warehouse. I was weighing scrap, unloading trucks, bailing cardboard, and I eventually worked my way into the office and almost immediately saw a void in our accounting department. Well, we didn't have an accounting department. Not only that, we were writing out hundreds and hundreds of checks every single month, but the problem was you couldn't read my dad's handwriting. 
So not only could you not read the checks, but you couldn't read the check registry. And then all of our other accounting functions were being outsourced to a local accounting firm. Let's just say that there was room for significant improvement. After a conversation with my dad and in an effort to help fill a gap in the company, I decided to pursue a degree in accounting from Minnesota State College, Southeast Technical. I was able to work and go to school at the same time. And as I learned different accounting functions, I started to implement them at the scrapyard. We got a computer with accounting software, which was unheard of at the time, and we were off and running. I started doing payroll, billing, accounts receivable, deposits, payroll taxes, financial statements, balance sheets, and more. After the accounting department, which was me at the time, was up and running smoothly, I was motivated to do more. So I took a deeper look at the types of scrap we were buying and where we were selling that scrap. I started looking for opportunities to grow. I convinced my dad that I needed to hit the road. We transitioned one of our guys from the warehouse into the office to help with accounting, and I started making calls, and I started making visits. We had a very strong regional presence and a fantastic reputation in the scrap recycling industry for both buying and selling. But I thought we could do more, and I wanted to grow. At the time, we were mostly shipping our metals to secondary markets or larger scrapyards. We would accumulate a full truckload of material, which is generally about 40,000 pounds, but we were mostly shipping mixed loads of aluminum, copper, brass, stainless steel, and other items. However, one of the best ways to maximize value, to maximize pricing, is to go direct to the consumer or direct to the mills and foundries that were melting the scrap and eventually making new product. I started calling on existing scrap generators or existing customers to see if there were opportunities to do more. Then eventually, I started calling on companies that we weren't already doing business with. I started working a 30-mile radius, then a 100-mile radius, then 200 miles, and so on. We started buying more and more scrap and eventually got to the point where we were able to ship some items direct to consumers here in the U.S., our business was growing and things were going pretty darn good. But of course, I was thinking bigger yet. I wanted more. At the time, there were certain items that I knew were being exported to Asia for further processing to maximize the value of that scrap. Now, we weren't exporting directly because we didn't have the volume or the export buyers, but we were generating some of that material and then shipping it to secondary markets or to larger scrapyards who were then exporting the material. So what did I do? I started looking for buyers. After a few months and many, many cold calls and emails, and I tell you what, it was many, many cold calls and emails, I eventually connected with a couple companies in Asia who were buying some of the items that we were bringing into our facility. This resulted in us finding better markets, offering better prices to customers, and buying more scrap. And in 2010, we exported our very first container load of insulated copper wire to Asia, and shortly thereafter, our brokerage division was launched. We now had the opportunity to buy certain types of scrap material from all over the United States and ship direct to our partners in Asia. I hit the road and I was traveling all over the country buying scrap. I hit the West Coast, I hit the East Coast, and just about everywhere in between. 
What started with one container load every six to eight weeks grew into 20 and sometimes even 30 container loads per month in just a few years. It was an all out grind. I was constantly on the road and if I wasn't on the road, I was on the telephone trying to put deals together. We had customers in every time zone in the United States, so I would start early in the morning and work all day into the evening. And then at night, I was communicating with our international buyers. I was quite literally a 24-7 operation. Today, we purchase scrap material from all over the United States, and we've even purchased some loads from Canada and Mexico, and we ship direct to consumers here in the United States and globally. In our regular course of business, our mission is to be all things to all customers. We strive to be that one-stop shop for customers. However, when it comes to our brokerage division, we intentionally are not all things to all people, but rather we focus on some niche markets in an effort to maximize pricing and provide good quality service to our customers. I'm incredibly proud of what we've built, but it didn't come easy. In fact, it was an all-out grind. It took hard work, dedication, courage, commitment, and a desire to keep moving forward. It was all-out grit. And I learned the importance of something I call patient persistence. When working on deals, I try to stay patient enough to let the deals materialize. But at the same time, I try to keep the pressure on by being persistent. It's a balancing act, but it's been very effective and very helpful for me. The most difficult thing for me during this time was separating my work-life balance. I was launching the brokerage division, traveling the country, in some cases traveling the world, serving in the Senate, and trying to be a father and a husband all at the same time. And unfortunately, I didn't always do a good job. It was difficult on my family, and my wife and kids had to sacrifice. Janelle is an absolute rock star and has always been very supportive but I'm pretty sure she wasn't nominating me for any husband or father of the year awards during this time. She truly is an amazing person and an incredible mom and wife. And I'm certainly not the person I am today without Janelle by my side. Much of this time, she was working full time and raising three boys under two years old as I would come and go. And even when I was home, I was usually on the telephone trying to buy and sell scrap. Well, I learned my lesson and now I do a much better job of prioritizing family. During this time, I also learned the valuable lesson of putting a strong team in place and delegating responsibilities. This wasn't something that was easy for me either, but I knew it was necessary. I've become a strong believer in delegating more and more responsibilities and it starts with hiring the right people and letting them do their jobs. It's also important to have a positive work environment where the team has opportunities to grow and thrive. This is an area that I'm really focused on improving right now. We've been working on changing the overall culture and creating a more positive and upbeat environment here at Miller Scrap and Disposal. I tried to make some changes a couple years ago, but we just didn't have the buy-in that was needed to make the changes. We took a little different approach this time and the team seems to be much more engaged in buying into the changes. I will share more about the progress and some ideas that you may find helpful in future episodes of Scrap Guy Solutions. And like most family businesses, 
We have certainly had our challenges. Anytime you have a family business, especially a multi-generational family business, it can be very challenging. And I can tell you that being the youngest sibling, being involved in the business also hasn't been easy. Change is difficult for all of us. And if something has been done a certain way for years and years, it's even more difficult. I tend to be a little more aggressive when it comes to business growth. And over the years, I've pushed to make some changes and to take more risks than maybe the company had been used to in the past. I've learned that communication is key in this process. Now, I probably could have sat back and coasted along over the years, but it's just not how I operate. I could have accepted the status quo, but I'm typically not a status quo kind of guy. I'm just not wired that way. And as far as the home front goes, I am so happy to share that my work-life balance has improved significantly. In addition to hiring more people and delegating more responsibilities, I've also done a much better job of setting priorities and managing my time. A good example of how I've learned from past experiences was with the recent launch of our new garbage business. Last year, the community's largest local trash hauler sold out to an out-of-state company, which opened up an opportunity for us to expand. Well, by now, you know where I stood. It took several months to launch the new business, including many days of coming in early in the morning and working late in the evening, but I still did my very best to keep that work-life balance. And while there were several days where I left for work early in the morning before anyone else woke up, and I may have been late for a few events in the evening, I think overall, Janelle would say that I did a pretty darn good job. Well, that's enough about Miller Scrap and Disposal for now, so let's talk about how I got started in real estate. My parents rented out a portion of the house I grew up in. Winona is a college town, so they did, and still do today, rent out an upstairs and a basement apartment to college students. When I was younger, I thought it was normal, but now I realize it was just a great investment strategy. When I moved back to Winona after my first year of college, I moved back in with my parents. And as you can imagine, I was very motivated to find my own place. So I started looking for houses and I found a duplex. It was a three bedroom main floor unit along with a one bedroom upstairs unit. So what did I do? I moved into that house and I lived in the three bedroom portion and rented out the other two bedrooms to a couple buddies of mine. And I rented out the upstairs apartment. What that resulted in is it allowed me to pay my 20-year mortgage off in less than 10 years. And I realized that investing in real estate not only was a great investment strategy, but it was a way to generate another stream of income. From there, I made the jump to buying a multifamily apartment complex here in Winona. And then shortly after that, the housing market crashed and there were some opportunities to purchase a few more single family rental units in the Las Vegas area. These were our first out-of-state investments and Janelle and I made these investments with our good friends and business partners. And then a few years ago, I was introduced to someone who invested in commercial and industrial properties. After doing some research and after getting introduced to a broker, I realized that single tenant, long-term lease, commercial and industrial properties was a good fit for me. It was much more hands-off compared to residential and multifamily properties. At the same time, I started to see enrollment trending down in our local universities and anticipating even more drops 
Janelle and I decided to sell our multifamily apartment complex here locally and do a 1031 exchange into an industrial property that we purchased in Texas. Today, our real estate portfolio includes a combination of single family, short-term rentals, commercial and industrial properties in five different states. And we were always looking for more opportunities to grow that portfolio. It's been more difficult the past couple years with higher interest rates to find deals, but with some patience and persistence, you can find one every now and then. They're out there, you just have to look a little harder for them. Now, let's talk about the Minnesota State Senate. My interest in public service goes all the way back to my middle school days when my dad successfully ran for mayor of the city of Winona. My parents always taught me the importance of getting involved and giving back, and I knew that at some point public service was in my future. I just wasn't sure when or at what level. In 2008 and into 2009, I started hearing more and more people talking about their concerns with the direction that our state was headed. Our state had a massive budget deficit, and I was hearing from more and more people that they were very, very concerned. I was involved as a community volunteer with some local nonprofits, but I didn't have any political experience and I wasn't affiliated with any political party. After more conversations with community leaders, I decided to run for the Minnesota State Senate. I announced my candidacy in 2009 for the 2010 general election, and we got to work. Just to tell you how amazing Janelle is, I made my announcement two weeks prior to our wedding. You can imagine how that conversation went. It actually was just fine. I think I was 25 years old at the time and just wanted to help make a difference. I knew that anytime you challenged an incumbent, that you were an underdog, and I knew it would be a battle, an uphill battle. But what I didn't expect was the amount of pushback I would receive after announcing for a partisan position. It's amazing how some people reacted differently towards me once I had a letter after my name. The other thing I didn't fully understand was the amount of pushback I would receive from some people. I guess I was a bit naive to the process, but I wasn't expecting to be told that I was too young or that I didn't have the experience, I didn't have the knowledge, I didn't have enough education. I was told by the quote, political experts, and even some people that I knew that I couldn't win. I tell you what, if you wanna motivate me, tell me I can't do something. A good friend of mine tells me that I'm a street fighter. Well, I tell you what, this is where my street fighter mentality started. If you wanna be a street fighter, get involved in politics. We put together an incredible team of volunteers. We worked hard, we were committed, and we were determined to win. I could have let the negative noise from the detractors discourage me or slow me down, but instead, I used it as motivation. And every time someone said I couldn't win, we worked even harder. Vince Lombardi once said, quote, it's not whether you get knocked down, it's whether you get back up, end quote. I've been knocked down many, many times in my life, but every time I get knocked down, I get back up and I try even harder. I work even harder. I fight even harder. Every one of us will get knocked down multiple times in life, but each one of us must decide what we wanna do next. What are you gonna do next time you get knocked down? 
Are you going to stay down? Are you just going to lay there? Or are you going to get back up and are you going to work harder? Are you going to fight for what you want? I know what I'm going to do. At a time when many underestimated me and at a time when I was the underdog that many said couldn't win, I ended up winning the 2010 election by about one percentage point or 437 votes over the incumbent senator. That's right, 437 votes. 437 is a number that changed my life in so many ways and a number I will never forget. At the time, I was the second youngest senator ever elected in Minnesota. And since that time, I've been reelected four times. This is my 14th year in the Minnesota Senate, and I've served in the majority. I've served in the minority. I've been rank and file. I've been a committee chair, deputy leader, the youngest senator ever to become Senate president, which is considered the number two position in the Minnesota Senate. And I also served as the Senate majority leader, which is the top position in the Senate. And now that I think about it, when I was first elected in 2010 and all of the new members drew numbers for seniority, I drew the highest number or the last number, meaning I was last in seniority. But whether I was last in seniority or leader of the Senate, I always tried to treat everyone the same and try to treat everyone with respect. My success in the Senate is in large part to listening, working together, and building relationships. I've built and maintained relationships with members on both sides of the aisle, many of which have turned into great friendships. This has also resulted in getting things done, whether I'm in the majority or the minority. And this is incredibly important when working with constituents to get things done for the communities that I have the great honor of representing. I've learned that you don't have to be an expert or you don't have to know it all when it comes to the issues, but it is incredibly important to listen and learn from others. I'm a strong believer in listening more and talking less. The more you listen, the more you learn. Another thing I've learned is the importance of building a positive reputation and being true to your word. Not only is this important in politics, but it's important in business and, of course, everyday life. Once you lose trust, it's incredibly difficult to build it back. I know plenty of folks who have ruined their reputation by misleading people or flat out lying. And nothing bothers me more than when people are dishonest. Nothing bothers me more than when people lie. Burn me once, shame on you. Burn me twice, shame on me. All right, that's enough politics for this episode. Next, let's talk about the restaurant. Opening a pizza place with a bar was something Janelle and I talked about maybe doing in the future, like after the boys were out of the house, but we did not expect it to happen when it did. In fact, the timing was absolutely terrible. We decided to open a restaurant during the height of the COVID pandemic. When other people were closing restaurants, we thought it would be a brilliant idea to open a restaurant. And everything was delayed by months and months. But I'm happy to share that Slice has been open since October of 2021, and it's been a big hit in the community. Many patrons have said that we have the best wings in town, and just recently, North Star Local Guide named us number one on their list of Winona's top six must-try pizzas. Number one on that list, something we are very proud of. 
My favorite pizza is the pickle roll-up pizza. And I have to say, the craft cocktails are also delicious. Hey, next time you're in Winona, stop by Sliced in downtown Winona and try one of our awesome pizzas, the best wings in town. We have oven-baked sandwiches, salads, craft cocktails, and ice-cold beer, including a nice selection of local beers. Now, this is yet another example of how important it is to build and maintain friendships and to build and maintain relationships. A conversation with friends during a family sledding outing and a mutual relationship with an experienced restaurant manager has led to a successful business with 30, maybe even 40 permanent jobs created here in our community. It's also a good example of going with your gut, going with your instincts. I generally would not make this type of investment based on the limited information we had at the time. I knew it was a risk, but I also had that feeling, a gut feeling that with the people we had involved, we were gonna make it work. On top of that, I knew that had we not taken the risk, I would have regretted it. So, in a nutshell, I'm involved in our fourth generation family scrap recycling and waste business. Janelle and I own and manage a real estate portfolio. We own a restaurant. I serve in the Minnesota Senate. I've helped launch multiple startups and I'm working on a couple more ventures now. Janelle and I are also very active in the community. And this, of course, is all in addition to our most important role as parents to our three boys. And do they ever keep us busy? And we absolutely love it. When you believe in yourself, figure out what you want, and then go after it, put in the hard work, put in the time, and put in the effort to get it done, just about anything is possible. And as much as I tried to do things on my own early in my career, I learned the importance of putting strong teams in place, and I'm fortunate to have incredible teams at Miller Scrap and Disposal, the Minnesota Senate, Sliced, and of course, at home with my family. I'm sharing my story, and I'm launching this podcast to help you do the same. Scrap Guy Solutions is here to help you make things happen. This podcast will help you believe and help you succeed. This podcast will help you build the confidence you need to get things done and to make things happen. Thank you for listening to Scrap Guy Solutions. Please subscribe, follow, give us a like, and we would also truly appreciate a five-star review. You can also check out our website at scrapguysolutions.com. Most importantly, make today your day. Now is your time to get started, stick with it, and go make things happen. Two, one, watch out, here I come. This is my time. I'm on the ride.